Crime Wives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content and language on this show might be graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is recommended. Hi guys and welcome to Crime Wives. We're just two wives and we just like to talk about true crime. It's that simple. Uh, I'm Ronica. And I'm Destiny. And this week we are going over two crazy... Crazy crimes. Uh, I think we're both doing serial killers, right? I'm yep. assuming. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, what way to start, right? We're both really unfamiliar with each other's um, crimes. Crime taste? Crime. Oh, no. Just crimes in general. <laughs> just, dudes, just, just what's going on here. They're both men. They're both bad men. Okay, so this week um, I'm going to be doing the acid bath murderer, which prior to doing this, I was like, oh wow, this is a really unique murderer that no one's ever heard about. And then I got on here and was like, oh, there's an entire podcast about this guy. And then as you introduced me today, there's a lot of information that I missed. So I'll listen to the podcast at a later time. There's also a documentary about him. I'll watch that on my free time. I'll do that. Otherwise, I'll just get started. Uh, the first thing that I would like to note about this man is that he looked like Hitler. He actually looks a lot like Hitler. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, that... All the rest of the information that I'm going to give out after this is all from Wikipedia, because I wanted to sort my sites. Wait, cite my sources. Cite my sources. (laughs) And um, we'll just go ahead and get started here. Okay, so his name is John George High. It might be Hay, but we're going to stick with High. (laughs) Yeah, I like High. He was born in Stamford, Lincolnshire in July of... (laughs) 1909. <laughs> um, his parents were John and Emily High. Outside of this, there's not a lot about his um, upbringing or early years, um, but I'm pretty sure if I would have like watched the documentaries or known that there was a podcast, I would know more about his early life. Um, but we'll just leave it at that. Uh, what I did learn is that he is a or was a great piano player, and he loved classical music. And I put in my notes here classical music in 1909 like what is that consistent of the classic in 1909 um okay so he let's see here he went on to win a scholarship to queen elizabeth grammar school and then later won another scholarship to wakefield cathedral where he became a choir boy from there he was apprenticed to a firm of motor engineers and this is a quote directly from Wikipedia. After a year, he left that job and took jobs in insurance and advertising. At age 21, he was fired after being suspected of stealing from a cash box. So just straight into crime. Just making bad choices. Clearly, though, with the scholarships and stuff, he's really talented. He's bright, capable, all that fun stuff. But just is using it for the wrong, wrong reasons. So, tiny red flags is what I also put here. <laughs> tiny red flags popping up. Okay. And then uh, this information, I didn't know where to put it in, so I just put it here because it's gonna it's gonna resurface. But at some point, High claims to investigators, so this is way down the road, that he suffered from reoccurring re- religious nightmares in his childhood. That's just aren't they all? Yeah, right. Just we kidding. All, <laughs> yeah. So from here, things just go downhill. Basically, literally from here, there's no going back up. <laughs> there's no positives. No, no, this. no, 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 no. So, in July of 1934, so we're flashing forward um, quite a few years away from his choir boy days, and uh, he gets married to Beatrice, or Betty Hammer, 
Palmer, I don't know, uh, who was described in some accounts as a good time gal. <laughs> so, I like her. <laughs> Unfortunately, he hasn't uh, had a, oh, this is what it is. She's described as a great time gal. He's not. He's literally described as the opposite. He is the worst. He's the, <laughs> one of them. And uh, so he's not great. He's, their marriage is not happy. The same year they get married, he ends up in jail for fraud. Surprise. And um, it doesn't say what the fraud was about the first time, but anyways, fraud. Just, it's going to be a repeating offense here. <laughs> uh, while he is in jail, Betty gives birth to a baby girl and then gives the baby up for adoption and leaves him. So because of this, his very conservative family ostracizes him. Is that the right way to say that word? Ostracize? Yeah, I think. Either way, they're like, you're in jail, you had a bad marriage, your baby's given up for adoption, you're a fraudulent person, we don't like you anymore. So he just moves to London from there. Well, after he gets out of jail. Gets out of jail, moves to London to leave everything behind. 1936. I'm guessing yeah, he, he doesn't leave the fraud behind. You know, yeah, he that's the only thing he took with him. <laughs> took that stash <laughs> and he took his bad, yeah. bad hobbies. And so he gets to London, he somehow lands a job as a chauffeur to a man named William McSwan, a wealthy owner of amusement arcades. And Hi, our main character, is sh- chauffeuring as well as doing maintenance for the machines, but he's while he's doing this, he's getting close to this McSwan dude, which is great, great last name. <laughs> yes. And while this is happening, this John, our main character here, uh, he develops kind of like a man crush on him is what we'll call it. He's, it says here, admiration for his boss on both his business and his skill and wealth. So essentially, he starts working for him and is like, I, I we want to be you. I thought we were going to go into like, Personally, oh, oh he, yes. He really likes Soon as the word obsession came in, I'm like, mm. <laughs> he really likes his boss. <laughs> yeah. So he does like him a lot, um, but not that way. Uh, he just likes his money. <laughs> so, um, let's see here, sorry, I scrolled too far. High starts pretending to be a solicitor while also working for um, this McSwan guy, but he takes over McSwan's first name and he starts going by William Cato. Adamson. This literally sounds like Gaps, Gapsy. Gaps. Gatsby? <laughs> the great Gatsby. Yeah. This, yeah, okay. Anyways. It does, kind of, yeah. So during this, he sold fraudulent stock shares, assumingly from estates of his deceased clients at below market rates, which, you know, happens. Things are going great is a note that I gave myself here. <laughs> and then in one of my favorite direct quotes from online, his scam was uncovered by someone who noticed he had misspelled Guildford as Guilford on his letterhead, an unlikely mistake from an educated solicitor. So he was a fraud, but the note that I made here is he got tripped up by the D. <laughs> because the damn D. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't, he, he missed the letter D and someone's like, mm, this isn't, this guy's a fraud. This guy's an idiot. Yeah. So for this, he goes to jail for four years. He learns nothing from his jail experience. He goes on to just continue to be a sleazy fraud dude once he's out of jail. So that's that. And from what it sounds like, he was just in and out of jail from there, learning zero lessons. Just keeps going on for a while. According to online, at some point, he realizes that his repeated arrests stemmed from leaving victims alive to report the crime. Oh, okay. Which is 
something that I see happen so often, like every time I'm watching something about a serial killer or listening to something about it, there's always this turning point where the serial killer's like, if I just didn't have any people to watch or witnesses, I could keep doing this. No witnesses. I get to keep doing things. As opposed to, perhaps if I just stopped. I'd be fine. Perhaps if I stopped committing crimes and fraud. You know what? I need to kill everyone who saw me do it. (laughs) Anyways, okay. In having this realization, he becomes intrigued slash obsessed by the crimes of a French murderer named Georges-Alexandre Sarret, who in 1925 had disposed of his victims' bodies via sulfuric acid. So, like any good-hearted man you know, (laughs) while in prison, Hyde devises a method of destruction of destruction of the body of future victims so he's in jail and starts testing these theories by dissolving the bodies in acid but he's experimenting with field mice and how is how is he testing these theories in prison the mice are there no i mean but how is he getting the acid i don't know <laughs> i didn't see that Just part like, here you go and may go ahead and have some fun with some goddamn acid yes right, i don't right. yeah. you know it was it was 19 what was the year 25 no that was, was it was before. like uh, 1909 or something 42 oh okay. well lots of numbers he was born out. in 1909 <laughs> <laughs> okay so he's experimenting with field mice and those only took about 30 minutes to dissolve so he's like, it's going to work for sure. <laughs> this is great. I can uh-huh. kill all the humans to get rid of them. <laughs> With a lot more acid. Okay. So, and then I put in my, in my own note, essentially he wanted to scam people and then make them quite literally disappear or dissolve <laughs> so that he couldn't tattle or they couldn't tattle on him. So he's released from prison in 1943. Oh, there's our time. And he gets a few more jobs. During one of these jobs, he runs back into his old pal and boss, William McSwan. McSwan. Mm-hmm. And at some point, McSwan introduces Hyde to his parents, Donald and Amy, which I feel like Amy, I didn't know Amy was, like, that old of a name. Was that popular? <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought for Amy sure. Amy McSwan. She yes. sounds very fancy. Oh, yes. I like her. I like her, too. Maybe. Mm. We'll no, she's great. She's okay. great. She just okay. doesn't live a long life. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. She's great. She's rich. Uh, okay, so one of the things that McSwan does for his parents, Donald and Amy, is um, he works for them by collecting rents on their London properties. So he goes around, picks up a bunch of cash, takes it back to their parents. They give him He's a the cut. perfect guy. Oh, yeah, this McSwan guy. Have all of the money. Have an obsession for it, and yeah. you want to be just mm-hmm. like, yeah. So the next line literally says, and hi is super envious of his lifestyle. <laughs> Duh. Okay, so John... John Hive views his friend William McSwan as a super great, upstanding um, person. However, at some point, there's this envy takes over and the friendship out the window. So, it's September of 1944, and McSwan suddenly just up and disappears. Damn it, yeah, McSwan. I know. And so what Hyde tells McSwan's parents is that their son had gone into hiding in Scotland to avoid being called up for military services. Which, okay, and his apparently his parents did buy that at first, but um, you know when you tell your best friend or one of your friends that you're going to go in hiding, but you don't tell your parents? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he leaves, leaves, and um, while he's away and hiding, Hi <laughs> <laughs> takes over McSwan's house and begins collecting all the rent. So he's do- he just is like, whoops, slips right into his well, job. And right. like, he's gone, guys. 
you know what? While he's away, how about I be him? So he gets to do all of that. Parents at first apparently just buy the whole story. Um, but after almost a year goes by and he's just living the dream, uh, McSwan's parents start to get real suspicious. Hmm. Uh, a year later. <laughs> yeah, hmm, surprise. <laughs> so on July of 19... Oh, this is just... This is just... Okay. On July of 1945, he lures uh, them to Gloucester Road by telling them that their son was back from Scotland and out of hiding for a surprise visit. And his parents being super suspicious, but apparently not suspicious enough, still apparently very trustworthy, agree to meet with him. And then we're just going to jump right to the next line that says, Upon arrival, he murders them in his basement and blows, oh, with blows, to the head and disposes of their bodies. Just, they get there, he kills them. Wham, with, bam, thank you, ma'am. Uh-huh, yeah. Which is how I believe he also killed his friend McSwan, which comes to trial later. Anyways. Gotcha. Yeah, so he's been bashing some heads, bashing three heads. Okay, murders them, and then just goes back to business as usual. Nothing happened, no worries, no witnesses, they're all gone. Okay, so from here, starts stealing pension caches, selling properties, stealing more money, then moves out of town. I'm assuming because he's like, I've done a lot, you know what, it's time to move. But he also... um, moves to a uh, fancier part of town, and this is in a hotel at Kensington. Is that with all of his mixed one money? <sighs> yes, it really is. Okay, so about two years goes by, and he's had a bad gambling problem, and he decides it's time to kill again. <laughs> you know? Nope, I don't need a job. I gotta kill somebody. Uh, because, which the next thing I said is, apparently murdering is more profitable than actual work. So That might be accurate? I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure. For, but a little more temporary. So, he finds another couple to kill. And Rob. The couple he decides on are Dr. Archibald Henderson and his wife, Rose, who also sound like lovely people. Archibald. Yeah. Awesome girl. Oh, he. Hey. Mm-hmm. I've never, never seen it. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Okay, go watch it. But anyways, Archibald. Anyway. Uh, okay, so he decides to kill after feigning interest on a house that they were selling. So he lies to them about the business he's doing for them, and then is like, I should probably kill them now. So the Hendersons invite... Oh, this is this, this part just irks me he they like him so much they think he is so charming which red flag uh the hendersons invite Hyde to their house one night and ask him to play the piano so they're like will you come over and just play some sweet jams and while he they have like people over all their guests are there um he goes into a room and steals a gun that he knew was there with the intent to kill them both with it later this guy is the worst garbage okay so garbage human mm -hmm, february of 1948. High convinces Dr. Henderson to meet him in a town called Crawley, where High has purchased a workshop of sorts. He calls it a workshop. His Dexter room? It's the death shop, is what it should be called, because a lot of people buy there. Okay. So, he convinces Mr. Henderson to go there, or I'm sorry, Dr. Henderson to go there, uh, wants to show him a, quote, invention. And, uh, vague, but it worked, and he gets him there, and that's that. So, upon arrival, he was obviously lying, shoots him in the head with his own gun. Then somehow tells Mrs. Henderson that her husband has fallen. I don't know if he, like, drives across town, because I'm assuming it's not like he picked up the phone. I don't know. <laughs> right. It's so 1948. Like the, I don't... 
yeah, but it's I'm, a workshop. Maybe there's okay. There was no details he about how prepared. he flies a bird. She's like, mm, there's he my, got on yeah. his magic broom. Yes. He told her a different story, Destiny. <laughs> okay, so gets Mr. Henderson or Mrs. Henderson. She's he somehow says your husband has fallen ill. I need you to come here and pick him up. I guess, and of course she arrives. He shoots her too. Okay. From here, he hides both of their bodies in oil drums filled with acid and then goes on to forge a letter from the Hendersons and sells all of their possessions for 8,000 pounds, except for their motor vehicle and their dog. <laughs> yeah. oh, He's like, dog. you know what? You're not dead. You're all right. Yeah. You're all right. Yeah. Yeah. No. We can do this thing called life together. Yeah. Like, there's still a tiny ounce of human somewhere in there underneath the stash. Okay. <laughs> so, on... February 1949, he commits his final murder, who was the wealthy widow of a solicitor and a neighbor in the hotel. Um, his name was John Duran Deacon. That was the widow's husband. Um, but now she's a widow, and her name is Olive Duran Deacon as well. She was six. These names are incredible. I know. Olive. Why don't we name things like that anymore? Olive. Well, that's my mom's dog's name. <laughs> I think of Olive from... It doesn't matter. Guys. It doesn't matter, but, but I, I really like that name. Olive is a good one. Yeah, Olive Duran Deacon, and she was a fancy rich widower. A widower. Yeah. So, at this point, we're actually pretty dang close to the end. Okay. At this point in his fraudulent career, High is calling himself an engineer, and Olive mentions to him the idea. This is the best. She's like, "Oh, you're an engineer. I've got this great idea for artificial fingernails." Which I could not find anywhere that said anything about the fingernails. And so I'm listening to it and, or I'm reading this and I am like looking through there about, there's no information about the fingernails. I'm like, I want to know about the fingernails. Excuse me, is Olive the inventor? Did she just, is she a billionaire? She's like. Sponge me from everything. Yeah, she's like, I listen, I'm about to make oh. both of us rich. Okay. Oh, so. okay, never mind. I thought we were going somewhere else with this. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so, just like the last couple, he invites her to his workshop because she's got an invention and he's going to make her dreams come true, which is not what I put, but that's pretty much okay. So he gets her with the ploy. He's going to help her with the fake nail idea, shoots her in the head upon arrival. He would have made so much money off of Fingernail Lady. Uh, yes. Look at... Douchebag. Yeah. Well, he's a douchebag for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So, he uses the same gun that was stolen from the Hendersons and also used in their murder. And then, from here, he strips her of her valuables and puts her in an acid bath as well. Two days later, Olive's friend reports her missing because you can't just kill rich people. I mean, you can't least, kill anybody. At least but... a few of these people have, or like Olive had a friend. Yeah, you, especially rich people. You kill the rich people, the cops are coming for you. People Sorry. notice. Yeah, you, you kill poor people. Yes, Jesus. So, doesn't take long for detectives to begin to discover to begin to discover Olive High's fraudy business, <laughs> and they eventually get a warrant to search his workshop and in the. In the search, they find a dry cleaner's receipt for Olive's coat, um, as well as papers referring to both the Hendersons and the McSwan. Like, it's just all in there. And then their investigation gets wild. Uh, eventually, the police discover that High had been disposing of the remains of victims by pouring 
without the container on a rubble pile in the back of the property of his workshop. So it worked on the mice, but like the human body, a little different. There's, so there's still stuff left. Oh yeah. So get ready for this. And he kept paperwork of all of these people. Just because, this, you know, you know, yeah. If they link one to me, oh yeah, let's let them link them all. Yeah. It's, well, okay. it's just it's just arrogance at this point. It's like I've gotten away with it for this long. Okay. So this is the things. This is just part of what they. Um, okay. So they find the rubble pile. And in an investigation of the area by a pathologist revealed 28 pounds of human body fat, a part of a human foot, human gallstones, and part of a denture, which was later identified by Mrs. Duran Deacon's dentist during the trial. And I'm just going to take a pause here and say they found human gallstones. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just one of I'm like, gallstones? Yeah, like, really? Aren't those tiny? Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. I thought this was real. 28 little... pounds of body fat. They didn't find the gallbladder. Of... They just found the gall stone. I was conf- I mean, I guess that's where the acid got, and then that's your acid container in your body, and what the stones were like, mm-mm, even acid can't get the rest. You can't get me. Yeah, rough. Okay, so, all right, moving on. The investigators are like, okay, we're taking this guy in. They take him in. They're like, perhaps we can take him to a psychiatric hospital. And... They tell him that that's kind of an option, I think is what they kind of throw that on the table. So they bring him in for questioning. During questioning, he just asks, tell me frankly, what are the chances of anybody being released from Broadmoor? Which is, or yeah, Broadmoor, um, which is the hospital. And they're like, uh, so I don't know if you should be thinking about release. You've killed a bunch of people. You're so, a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Take a step back. Listen, Hitler, just chill. <laughs> so, okay, so... He goes on, at, they get him talking, essentially, and he just goes, and he just bloop and tells them everything. So he goes on to confess about Olive, um, about the McSwans, about the Hendersons, and just kind of, what I wrote is he kind of poops on his chances of ever getting into this hospital, which I should probably have reworded before I did that. Okay, so. Don't poop on yourself, guys. Don't. Well, not that. Don't poop on your chances. <laughs> <laughs> he pooped on his okay, chances. I mean, he did not poop on way. himself. I mean, clearly he loved himself too much for that. <laughs> uh, he does also randomly try to admit to killing three other people, a young man named Max, a girl named, oh, her name is not this. It just says a girl from Eastbourne and a woman from Hammersmith. I just realized they named the kid that was killed, but the other were like, and then these two girls died. No <laughs> names for them. Oh, weird. Root. Uh, however, these claims could not be sustained. So in total... The confirmed numbers were his pal, William McSwan, the parents of William, Donald and Amy, Amy McSwan, holla, uh, the Hendersons, yeah, we love you, Amy, and uh, the Olive Deacon Duran, so she also died. I actually really like Olive, too. Yeah, we love you, too, Olive. Just the females. Yes, we're here. We'll name the other females. Yeah, Yeah, we should have said, and this dad, and Amy, and her husband, and Olive, If I'm correct, that's one, two, three, four, five, that's six, and then potentially nine in total, but there was, they, it was just, all the people that were dead behind his shack, it was just like a big pile of bleh, so, kind of hard to tell who was who, especially in 1949. Wait, have we, yeah, we're still in 1949. Okay, so, obviously his conviction goes to trial. At trial, it only takes minutes for the jury to find him guilty. Not helpful to him was a statement that he makes in court in reference to the 
bad childhood dreams, quotes, saying, I saw before me, this is an actual quote, I'm, I'm going to assume this is an actual quote from him. I saw before me a forest of crucifixes, which gradually turned into trees. At first, there appeared to be dew or rain dripping from the branches, but as I approached, I realized it was blood. So he has dreams of seeing blood from trees and is like, you know what that means? I gotta kill a bunch of people on acid. <laughs> like, you didn't yeah. even kill them the way it, your dreams. It sounds that's like not what did escalation. You do? Asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> acided them to death. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, so he goes on to say that the dreams were the start of his twisted fantasies and ultimately the reason behind all of his crimes. Now, uh, like, that's not even connecting dots to me. No. Going from that to that. Which like, is, I know I know what that dream meant uh-huh. as a child. Uh-huh, yeah. I need to murder all these people with acid. It, mm, it's, um... And steal their money. <laughs> it's, it seems like a pretty typical, I'm a bad guy, but I'm going to deflect this and say, it's not actually me, it was my dreams. It was my dreams. <laughs> it was my subconscious. Don't be mad at me. You mad at my it childhood. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, in court, Sir, oh, here's a name for you, Sir David Maxwell Fife, <laughs> the defending attorney, called many witnesses to attest to High's mental state, including Dr. Henry Yellowese, <laughs> Yellowese, <laughs> yeah, ooh, these names, uh, who claimed High had a paranoid constitution, adding, this is a quote from that doctor, the absolute callous, cheerful, bland, and almost friendly indifference of the accused to the crimes which they freely, to which he freely admits having committed is unique in my experience. And it's unique because they hadn't yet honed in on sociopaths, I'm pretty sure. And so this is weird. he's like, the absolute, he's callous and he's cheerful and he's bland, but he's almost friendly. He's a lot of things. I don't understand. He's just naming what... It, eventually we go on to realize is like what most of the crazy people oh, probably I shouldn't say crazy people anyways and then the next thing I wrote was aka an unattached crazy person so I should so sorry crazy people anyways okay this profound we're all a little crazy it's <laughs> we, fine he just took he's a sociopath he and he took it, it to the, another level took it to the next level exactly so this profound statement I'm assuming is what helps push the decision that this guy is in fact a monster and is likely not capable of rehabilitation and deserves death instead of the mental hospital that he's under the impression he can be released from. So, High is sentenced to death. The last statement about him is on August of 1949. Oh, we are in still still in 1949. Right. He did a lot in 1949. He, he did a lot. <laughs> yes. He did a lot in a really short, like, period of time. He was just like, wham, bam. Mm-hmm. Which they were, that's, it's probably for the best that they executed him. Mm-hmm. Very because true. Because it would have just kept going. So, just prior to his execution, he was asked if he wanted a brandy. And he replied, make it a large one, old boy. Oh, great Gatsby. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> Is this fake? <laughs> And then he was led to the gallows and hanged that day. And that's the end, and that's what I know. And that is the acid bath murderer, a.k.a. old-fashioned Hitler. Old-fashioned. All right, that was it for my murder. It was um, as gruesome as they get. I don't know, it was just... 
Anyways, what are you doing? Okay, so this week I will be covering a case of a man who traveled the United States as a long-haul truck driver on a five-year murdering spree. The one and only Happy Face Killer, otherwise known as Keith Hunter Jesperson. I'm going to jump into his early life and some of the possible red flags. There was plenty of red flags um, that popped up before his murder spree began. So Keith was born in British Columbia in 1955. Go Canada! And was the middle child of Gladys Jesperson, who was a known violent alcoholic, and Leslie Jesperson. Keith was the ultimate black sheep of the family. He was constantly teased by his family, who gave him the nickname of Igor. Oh, right. I dated an Igor. Is it Igor or Igor? Igor. It's totally okay. Igor. Okay. I mean, the Igor um, I dated was Igor. <laughs> Igor? No, it's Igor. It's Igor. Okay. Um, so they gave him that name for his large size. As a grown adult, Keith would grow up to be six foot six. Oh, I thought. Side note: Isn't Igor like the like a doctor's weird? It's a, some professor's helper, and he's like a. Anyway, Keith is he like huge? He, no, he's tiny, and he's like oh. hunched over, and he's what's like, Shrek? Yes, master. What's Shrek? Shrek is an ogre. Okay. Well, yeah. Maybe they meant it that way. Yeah. Instead um, of so <laughs> ogre maybe. Igor. You right. know what? Same. Who knows? Um, so, anyways, at a young age, he was very shy and started getting into trouble. Um, part of the shyness was due to his being the black sheep he was definitely picked on by all of his siblings um and being called igor and being called igor and i don't have this in here but um he was the only kid out of all of them that they made pay rent what yeah so the middle one was hated apparently yeah they made him pay rent like 30 dollars yeah like, Did the other ones have jobs um i don't know but weird <laughs> who knows right. i don't even know if he know if he had a job then but anyways his acting out led to some severe beatings from his father um and they literally ranged from being beat with a belt to he even received electric shock therapy from his father how <laughs> i did look into that um oh gosh i'm sorry we can man i'm Looking back on my younger years, I'm like, you know, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no electric shock. Not that awful. Yeah. Um, so as a young child, Keith um, would torture and kill animals, which he ended up doing a lot of his life. Um, most of the animals' deaths, deaths would always end in strangulation. Okay. Which will tie back into the rest of the story I mean, I later think that's on. How most of those bad guys. Yeah, he start just out. likes to use his hands, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and that was actually one of the things that his father praised him for, was torturing those animals. Oh. So, he was like, you know what? You pay rent and you kill animals. You can stay. You're okay. Yay. But I'm still going to shock therapy you. Um, uh, that's so awful. I, yeah, and I just don't even want to know how it happened. No. Um, but, so his first attempt at murder was when he was 10 years old. He, was a ch- um, he had a childhood friend, Martin, that he would tend to get in trouble with. And Martin would like to blame all the trouble that he got into on Keith. Oh, um, okay. So Keith would get beat from his dad um, regarding it. Oh, so yeah. one time Keith was like, hey, this isn't okay. And vigorously beat the shit out of Martin. And later admitted that he was trying to kill him. Oh, um, but cool, his cool. father ended up pulling him off. So. Oh, cool. Good job, father. You did one thing, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. You, did you? I mean, no. You saved, he saved Martin. Cool. Yeah, yeah so, okay. You saved Martin. But <laughs> um, shock therapy. <laughs> but you also might have almost killed your kid. Yeah. Um, which might not have been you a know what? thing yeah. in the long mm-hmm. run. But, so his first, um, 
His second attempt was when he was swimming at a local lake, and a boy held his head underwater until he passed out. Oh. Bad choice, little boy. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong little boy to pick on. Uh, um, yeah. So in retaliation, while swimming at a local pool, he held that boy's head underwater, trying to murder okay. him, and the lifeguard ultimately had to pull him off. Good. I'm yeah. glad there so was a freaking lifeguard. Nobody died yeah. yet. Mm-hmm. Now we know um, what lifeguards are for. So Keith wasn't very comfortable or smooth in high school. He kind of went on being the black sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up losing his virginity at the age of 14 mm-hmm. and an alleged rape. Oh, that's different. I was like, oh, that's going to be a good <laughs> So he Very did not funny. find a girlfriend. He raped somebody. Cool. Um, so that'll also tie back later. Um, okay. After high school, Keith met Rose Huck, and they got married in 1986. They had three children. Um, in order to support his family, he became a long-haul truck driver. He was pretty close with his daughter. Um, it sounded like he just adored her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, maybe he had some soul somewhere. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, Is she the one with the podcast? Yeah. So she she has, her name's Melissa. Mm-hmm. She had a podcast. Um, she's done it. She's been on, like, Oprah. She's been on a lot of different... Um, Somehow I know almost nothing about this murder. Like, this murderer. So, that's what That's I good. I mean, yeah, they ask all the questions. Here, like, tell um, me everything. Somehow I know, not somehow, because of all the research I've done, I know a lot. So yeah, I know too much. <laughs> I can answer most shock of your therapy. questions. <laughs> <laughs> all the shock therapy. <laughs> yes. um, Can't get over that. Right? Um... So, uh, he was a long-haul truck driver. After several several years of being on the road, um, Rose started to get calls from women claiming to be Keith's girlfriend. Oh. Hello. Oh. <laughs> hey, girlfriend. A little background noise little there for y'all. little strap. It's okay. Um, so, Start she getting calls from girlfriends. Girlfriends from, are, from the road. From the road. From the road. Right. And he's apparently like, here's my house number. You could reach oh, me oh, here sometimes. This is probably before cell phones. So he's like, probably. how can I get back in contact with them? I know. And I mean, yeah, that's can true. Can I just, just real quick. Yeah, side. My side grandpa is, was a long haul truck driver for so many years. And he's just, I'm really close with him. Had, and my grandma is a lovely, lovely woman. And she... A, a little nurse, so quiet and nice. Mm. Had anyone called the house saying, um, I'm Denny's girlfriend, she would have probably figured out where that number was from and back before yeah. Star Six Nine was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Caller ID. Yes. Just like, you're Denny's what? <laughs> Anyways. That's all I had to say. <laughs> she would be the murderer in this case. Um, <laughs> so basically, um he can she confronted him about it and she's like, Hey, these hells are calling my house. Some questions. Don't worry. I told them <laughs> I'm your wife. Are calling my house. <laughs> I have some questions. <laughs> we both would handle yeah. it different ways, obviously. You have a obviously. girlfriend? You have some girlfriends? <laughs> so he literally was like, yeah, what about it? Oh, right. Well, like, probably would be if A, shock therapy, <laughs> B, you're raising women at 14, yeah. and drowning children. You're probably like, yeah, what about <laughs> I it? I mean, he was a child, This so. is not the worst thing I've done. It's <laughs> girlfriends. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know why you're freaking out. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. Um, so when it actually came out that when the, on their wedding day when they were getting married, he was behind the church making out with one of her bridesmaids. Nice. Super good, dude. <laughs> no. Super good. Um you were, she, Destiny was a bridesmaid in my wedding. Just need to throw. I'm gonna be a bridesmaid at her wedding. <laughs> so that let's happen. Hope there's no talking about him. Be a murder well, scene. Neither of us were murdered. Or murdered. Yeah, that's because 
Neither of us were married or getting married in a church, so I think we're going to avoid the situation. off great. Also, my husband made out with no one behind anywhere that day that I'm aware of. Well, we'll see what happens in mine. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, he... She basically was finally like... All right, dude. Okay. I'm I'm gonna leave. Yeah. <laughs> and she packed up her kids, um, all three of them, mm-hmm. and they moved to Spokane, Washington, to live with her parents. As you do. Um. So good for you. Yeah. Good for you, Rose, for getting out of there before anybody mm-hmm. ended up dead on your side. Right. Um. So, basically, going back to that, he's like, okay, I'm a single man now, and he moved to Portland to live with one of his girlfriends. Um. I and this, what I do know. At least the detail that he's from Oregon, or that he that all of the not he's from Oregon, but that the killings happened. Yeah, so some some, some. yeah, we'll get to that definitely. Um, so it, one of his dreams was to become a police officer. That's the opposite. <laughs> so and it's rumored that he wanted to pursue that career path so that he could kill without being suspected. Right. Well, unfortunately, police officers still get caught. Uh-huh. So. Very true. Yeah. Probably, but probably less back then. I would think. Oh yeah. Uh, when, yeah. When no. was this? This was back in 1990, like very early oh, the 90s. 90s. How yeah. do I not know more about him? Anyway, oh yeah, I could have. It's fun. Yeah, they married it sometime. Yeah. Anyways, um, so thankfully he injured himself, mm-hmm. and he could not pursue that career path. Thank. Yay. Whatever. Thank. Thanks. You think. <laughs> That would have been awful. Uh, yes. So, here's oh, my serial police officer, so which I'm sure there's plenty. Yeah. Mm, unfortunately. But that's a, that's another podcast. Yeah, that's a different um, podcast. So, unfortunately, that would not interfere with any future killings, though. So, Keith has claimed to commit over 185 killings across the United States. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But only eight of those have been confirmed. Cool. I'm sorry. Only eight? Eight? Only eight of the 185. So he, I mean, he claimed it. Is he just a boastful, cocky, jamma-jamma? Oh, just fucking wait. Okay, okay. Just, okay. He, he is the boastfulest of boastfully. <laughs> um, so, a boastful time. <laughs> he's a boastful man. Um, so the first of his murders was Tanya Bennett. Um, and this is the one that I have that I kind of went a little bit more in depth with mm-hmm. just to kind of... Because it was his um, first. Because yeah. it was his first. Um, so they met at B&I Tavern, a bar in good old Portland, Oregon. Oh, man. Um, after talking for a while and a few drinks, he invited her back to his place as a ruse to get more money so he could take her to dinner. Um, a lot of... Like steal money from her? No. Like as a... He like was like, hey, I left my money at home. Oh, like, let's go oh, get my oh, money, oh, oh, and then yeah, we'll yeah. go out to dinner. Okay. Um, a, they ended up not going to dinner. Well, because he had no money. Because he had no money. Um, <laughs> but they did have sex. Okay, cool. And then after the deed was done, she wasn't even clothed yet, he started, like, yelling at her and just picking a fight with her. Just, um, it didn't go into detail of, like, what he was saying to her, mm-hmm. but just super graphic, disrespectful, right. mean things. Um. And her family kind of, they noted that she was a little bit mentally slow. Um, Yeah, so I think it was just, and they even said, like, during, like, people that saw them at the bar, this came out way later, um, that it seemed like he didn't pay attention to her until she was noticeably intoxicated. Oh, right. Well, I mean, if that's not a predator. Well, there we go. You just Um, wait until your prey is 
dis yeah no right makes way more sense <laughs> yeah definitely um so they ended up having sex he was mean to her blah 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 they got in a fight he got enraged and he strangled her super duper um not. he beat her very viciously um like her teeth was through her mouth well, a lot of things if it's his first killing it's probably like the rage is yeah. where it comes out. He's probably yelling things like, He's shock therapy! <laughs> I'm going to bring She's that not back gonna up let the entire it go. time. Because that is weird child abuse. <laughs> right, right. It's weird abuse in general. But I'm sure that's probably... I mean, probably... back in... It was... I mean, it was... It's not like it was... Like, your case back in, like, the 20s, like, yeah. or 40s. It, 40 minutes? Well, like, it was probably, like, in the 60s. So it was around, like, when my mom was born. Like... Uh-huh. That's just insane that that would be going on at that time. That's weird. But anyways, um, yeah. The, so I just want to know how in your house you are uh, batteries success. <laughs> I mean, like big car batteries. Not like oh, here's my sure. double A battery. <laughs> but like in the worst case scenarios, I've heard of people using a spoon. It just seems okay. Mm. I understand that child abuse <laughs> comes in all forms. <laughs> I understand that, but. Shock therapy is so next level. I'm just thinking, like, I don't know. But yeah. there had to have been something. Yeah. So, um, anyways, his rage is probably his, rage. his first yeah. true murder that no one's stopping him. And so that's probably why he's... Yeah. Yeah. He's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, in order to create an alibi, he went back to the bar that he met her at. Okay. Right after he murdered her. He was like, no, I was here the whole time, he, right? Yeah. He played some pool, had some more drinks, made a point of, to converse with different people. Um, and Walking after... He, around, like... Hey, did you see me? Hey, did you see my me? My name's, uh, well, I don't know if I'm going to tell you my name, but I'm here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically. Hey, did you see me, though? Okay, bye. <laughs> you want to take a picture? Yeah. I got a little, what were they back then? Just the, disposable the, the camera. I got a disposable. <laughs> um, so after he left the bar, he retrieved her body, cut the zipper off her pants, okay. which I will get back to okay. later, gonna... um, and threw her body over an embankment at the Columbia Gorge. Oh. And anybody that's from Oregon, like us, mm-hmm. it's beautiful there. It's, beautiful. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so fuck you for trying to fuck up the Columbia Gorge. Yeah. You're defacing it. And, and you're also an for killing her. And also her that there. part. <laughs> yeah, like you did a lot of wrong here. Um, so he ended the remainder of that night at a truck stop drinking coffee to ensure if he needed an alibi, he still had one. As you do. So a few days later, they found her body, half-dressed with a rope around her neck, and it did not take long for the authorities to identify that it was Tanya. But they had absolutely no leads. Nobody knew. Um, Until fucking Laverne. Laverne Pavlinok was reading the paper and came across an article about Tanya. She did all the research she could do, reading newspaper articles, watching news reports. The reasoning behind all of her in-depth research was so she could pin it on her abusive boyfriend of 10 years. Oh, oh. Mr. John Sosnovskel. Oh, cool name. So we're going to call him John. Yeah, just John. From now on. Sosnovskel. Oh, wait. It's Sosnovskel. Oh. It's fine. Sosnovskel. Uh, yeah. Anyways. But she wanted to pin it on her abusive boyfriend. So she figured out that the two detectives that were running the case was Ellen Corson and... <laughs> like, wait. I like that she's like... I'm going to stay with him, but I'm going to figure out he's killing people. Anyways, but or, I'm going to fucking blame this guy <laughs> yeah, okay. for a murder that I know. Just wait. Just yeah. wait how in-depth she gets in this. Okay. Um, so she found out who the two detectives were, Alan Corson and John Ingram, um, and that they were conducting the case. She called them saying that she had information regarding Tanya's murder. 
They rushed over to hear her elaborate story of how John raped and murdered Tanya Bennett. Well, she watched. Oh, no. Laverne told the detectives how in-depth he went um, and how he strangled her with a rope and made her help dis- made Laverne help dispose of Tanya's body. Um, knowing that she would receive prison time as well because she was so she's, she was an accessory. She's, she's like, full-blown committed to this story. I don't like him. I'm going to go to jail for him. Or because of him? Because of him. Yeah. Because I need to get away from him. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's her story. She's like, he's super abusive. I need to get away. Right. So only one way. We're both going to prison. Oh, my um, god. So she continued contact with the detectives for weeks, okay. giving them more details, which I'm sure she, like, got clips from the papers, mm-hmm. just heard more. Um, she just kept calling them with additional information. They even went out to the gorge and identified where around the body was left. A detail that at the time wasn't publicized. So I don't know if she just got fucking lucky or like how she had any idea, but she knew. And she, she pointed. She knew that that's where it was at. Yeah, just what? or like around the area. Um, and she pointed out just right around the right area. And, but. I mean, good on her. Good guess, lady. Sure. Good guess. Yes. Um, but that she had to have been sometime that he's like, I love driving through the gorge and stopping and looking over the edge. It's so beautiful. Right? Or like in the middle of a romantic walk on the beach. And <laughs> yes. she's like, I'll use he's this like, have against you. Been to you. The gorge? <laughs> I will use this against you later. Um, so the only thing she couldn't really pinpoint that was weird to the authorities is where all of her belongings went. Oh. Like her purse and her other things. Like her walkie-talkie that Jesperson... Did he? Walkie-talkie. Can we talk about this? She left a walkie-talkie in Jesperson's car and he like just threw it off the gorge somewhere. Just one end? You just gotta find the other one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, who had the other walkie-talkie? Like, maybe they know what happened. Find the walkie-talkie. <laughs> yeah. Find walkie-talkie. Find the girl. Right? Yikes. <laughs> um... So, Laverne's confession was enough to give John a, a life sentence for, in prison okay, cool. and gave Laverne 10 years in prison. Cool. cool. <laughs> Take one for the team, right? Yeah. Um, so, although innocent, John pleaded guilty to avoid the death penalty. Right. Which irks the fuck out of me. Like, As this guy is an innocent guy. I mean, he uh-huh. might be abusive, whatever, Not never okay. Uh-huh. But he had to plead guilty to a murder he didn't commit in order to not die because he has a crazy-ass girlfriend. Yeah. I... As you're telling it, I'm. I was like, this guy for sure did it. Like I was convinced. I'm like, oh wait, I know the part of it that's not. Yeah, it. that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, um. Anyways, not long after Laverne was sentenced, she started claiming that she made the whole thing up, and she wasn't guilty. Okay, so she's cray cray. <laughs> she's a psychopath. Yeah. And I'm sorry if anyone in the world is with somebody. She like woke this. up one day and was like. I hate my cheating boyfriend, and I want to go to jail. <laughs> and then she woke up in jail, and she was like, abort mission. Shoot. This was a bad idea. Bad. I hate this food. Um, right? the outfits. <laughs> There's only women here. Yeah. I like men. Give me John back. Um, so, obviously, nobody believed her. Everybody's like, bitch, you already Why told you everything, yeah. and you knew you were going to come to jail. Um, so... After this, one of the smiley face um, killer's notes actually shows up for the first time. Mm-hmm. So, remember when we were talking about how he was a cocky-ass dude? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so, in a bathroom stall, he left a message that read, I killed, this is a quote, Ooh. and Ooh. I have the picture. Uh, I showed you the picture. Yes, um, I old. killed Tanya Bennett, January 21st, 1990, in Portland, Oregon. I beat her to death and raped her and loved it. Because... He was pissed that someone else 
got his glory. Oh, you know just wait. That's, yeah. Yes, I'm sick, but I enjoy myself too. People took the blame, and I'm free. Smiley face. <sighs> and how that's do a- I not know about this guy? <laughs> right? There's probably any any person that's ever going to listen to this is gonna be like, yeah, no, for real. How did you not know, <laughs> Veronica? <laughs> you say you like true crime. <laughs> Do. You don't even know. <laughs> um, okay, she does. We promise. Um, so he also used the wrong two when writing that. He's like two people, T L L, and I'm oh, like right, right. two people, T W O, dumbass. Uh-huh. And I just want to let you guys know Sweet. he was an idiot. He would have walked um, up in that stall, crossed it out, <laughs> lined up here. Destiny corrupted this. <laughs> this asshole's an idiot. Yeah. He's okay. bad, right. and he can't spell. <laughs> he just can't. He's <laughs> not okay with whatever he does. Um, so after over a year, Keith would take another life in California. Um, he claimed her name was Claudia, but to this day, she's an unidentified Jane Doe. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, there's more. Um, so a month later, he killed Cynthia Lynn Rose. Um, she was also found in California on Highway 99. Originally, her cause of death was a drug overdose, but that was around the time that this psycho... Mm-hmm. Mr. Happy Face. Yeah, good guy. Started writing letters to the Oregonian newspaper. Because he wasn't getting his credit. And claimed responsibility for Rose's murder. Claiming she was a prostitute, he picked up and murdered. Cool. So, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. You'll probably hear me say that a lot. Um, Every letter or message he sent was signed with a simple smiley face, quickly giving him the name of the smiley face killer. Cool. (laughs) Not like, bad guy killer. Douchey, douchey truck. Well, they don't know he's a truck guy. I realize I just keep going back between happy face and smiley face. Oh. <laughs> Which one is I he? will figure this out for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Give me a minute. I'm pretty sure he's the happy face killer. I think he I is think the, the happy face, but... Orange. Oh, he totally is the happy face. He's happy yeah. face. Um, so anytime he said smiley, I meant happy. Yeah, <laughs> My nice. bad, guys. Yeah. Um, you guys knew what I was talking guys, about. Guys, it's our though. first episode. Right? And not... I'm obviously not talking about two different people. Yeah. <laughs> this is the same guy. Yes. <laughs> it's the same dude, and... Smiley faces and happy faces are the same emoji now. Yeah, have you seen them? <laughs> so. I have a couple oh, of them gosh. in this paper. This kind of murderer oh. should be the the happy or slash smiley face emoji. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, Jesus. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Starting something bad. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so the next victim was Lori Ann Pentland. She was found in November of 92 behind G.I. Joe's. In our little hometown, yes, we live in Kaiser, but it was in Salem, which oh is my where I, we, I grew up. It doesn't matter, but yeah, when you I hear mean, someone got murdered in your town, and you know, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. So she Touches was, you differently. Um, G.I. Joe's, where Dix is now. Yes. So she was found behind there. Um, and just so anybody knows, we are from the Salem-Kaiser area, located about... 50 miles south of Portland. Yeah, good old Yay. Oregon. I have to say Portland because everyone knows where Portland yeah. is. Yeah, in fact, but we're if the we capital. Say we're from Portland. People are like, oh yeah, I love Oregon. Yeah, so right. we're near Portland. Yeah, we're we're just catty corner to Portland. Yeah. Um, but once again, Keith showed his preferred method method of murder, which was strangulation. Right. Ugh. So, in July of 1993, near San Anela, California, victim number five was found. Another Jane Doe, like before, her death was ruled a drug overdose. Once that information was released, Keith made sure it was known, once again, that he was the one responsible for the death. Um, And he wrote another letter over to the Oregonian. Cool. Yeah, he's like, hey guys, it's still me. He kills someone in California and then writes it to the Oregonian? Yeah. He's like... 
You think that would be like a red flag to them? Hey. It's like the only P.O. box he has. Right. He might be obsessed with Oregon. Someone else has died. Not here, but cover it. Yeah, seriously. Um, so in September of 94, a sixth victim was found um, on Interstate 10 in fucking Florida. What? Oh. Like, I mean, let's change it up, guys. Yeah. We're still going. I mean, he's um, a truck driver. He's just doing his yeah. job. I'm just trying to drive, guys. And fulfilling his awful hobby. Yeah, yeah. Um, so although she was never identified, Keith claims her name was Suzanne. Oh. Um, the seventh victim was actually not found until after the eighth, um, but her name was Angela Sabriz, and she was found in Oklahoma City. So oh. he just started, like, mixing it up. He's like, oh. He's just on his way home. West Coast. Just kidding. Like. like Okay, now I'm across the states. Um, And she was strangled once again with his fist. Um, fist. Yeah, I know. Just like straight, like fist to jugular is what I think. Yeah, when they say fist, I'm... I usually they'd say with his hands. Yeah, but so he's like saying, they're saying with, with his, his fist. fist. So I think he was. I mean, he was a six foot six dude. I think he was literally pressing his fist into like their jugular to strangle them, right? And cut off their airway. Right. Which think about the strength behind that. Yeah, and also that you, the idea that you can't get out of like the a pressure. Fist, yeah. Like you can't. I would. You would. Me. I would think if there's a fist on me. I'll just move to the side. Nope, you're being choked by just you a fist. You are literally, the Keep pressure of this one fist is making it so you are immobile. Ugh. Yeah. No. So, and now to the eighth and final victim of this fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where he slipped up. Mm-hmm. Typically, he would murder women he had just met. Um, most of them, I didn't mention this earlier, but most of them did live a transient lifestyle. Right. Um, which is why, like, the drug overdoses and the hanging out on highways, like, it wasn't... It wasn't as noticed. Or in um, his mind, they weren't as important of humans. Yeah, which, yeah, definitely. So people wouldn't notice they would go missing. Which was therapy. <laughs> Goddamn shock therapy. That that's what did, what did it. <laughs> um, so even with his seventh victim, until she was found, not a lot of people knew she was missing. People just didn't realize. Right. Which, um, I, I get his mindset behind it is that these people are not going to go noticed, but also... Yeah, so, like, not as many people are going to notice. Human people. Yes. So, and I mean, hey, good for you guys. Free spirits, like, yeah. do your thing. Um, but he slipped up on this one because this time he decided he was going to murder his mother and girlfriend. Ugh. So, <laughs> Julie Ann Winningham... Um, she lived in Camas, Washington, and was murdered on March 10th of 1995, pretty close to Vancouver. So, right. like, five minutes from Portland, okay. just for all you guys know. <laughs> um, she was found naked and strangled. Her body was thrown over an embankment off of a Highway 14. Another embankment. So he's just killing people. He's just killing he's them and throwing them. them. Yeah, like, piece of shit. Yeah. Um, so I'm just cocky as hell. Yeah, and he's like, like just, hey, but here I am. Happy face, smiling away, yeah. huge bag. <laughs> um, so unlike his previous victims, he definitely had a link to Julie. Uh, she was a new divorcee. She had moved to Utah for a brief time after her divorce with her original husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she returned, guess he was by her side. Oh, no. Mr. Keith. Um, I wish it was anyone else. <laughs> anyone. <laughs> except for Ted Bundy. I wish she was alone. I mean, there's a couple oh, whoa, people whoa. we could. <laughs> yeah. This is the 90s. Ted Bundy is dead already. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Okay, well, it could have been a number of other people. Tune in next uh, week. Okay. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. Um, so once Julie's body was found, Detective Rick Buckner was assigned to this case and knew that he had to find Keith. I mean, he was a tie to her. He was the significant other. Um, and he just wanted to question him. 
He ended up, it ended up that Keith had traveled to Pennsylvania um, just days after Julie's, because, I mean, that was his job. He was driving trucks. Um, So he traveled to Pennsylvania. So it's hard to probably track even where these, who's doing it. Yeah, definitely. So after a few days, they finally did. Mm -hmm. Um, He figured out where he had worked. He got, or the detective figured out where he had worked. He got um, all of the information about his route. Um, And then on March 22nd. (laughs) Which is my birthday. Oh, right. Um, they... My birthday is March 23rd. Every year, I think it's March 23rd. Well, you should start remembering. No, it's good because I like always holiday. hang out with you a few days beforehand. And you're like, my birthday's on the 22nd. I'm like, mm. you're like, okay, perfect. perfect. I have a birthday week, month, yeah, whatever. It's, it's fine. So yeah, as long yeah. as you're available. I wish point, you a happy okay. birthday between. Somewhere in the mix. Yeah. And then Facebook is like, hey, it's Destiny's birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Facebook. I needed that. Don't be a good friend today. Right. <laughs> um, so, anyways, the detective questioned him for, they found him over in New Mexico. I wrote Mexico. It oh, was New Mexico. It was Big difference. New, yeah. Big difference. Um, and so they questioned him for over six hours. After all was said and done, they didn't have enough ed- evidence, so they had to release him. Cool. So after his interrogation, Keith tried to kill himself twice over the next two days. Should have been there, like, hey, oh, he's trying to get rid of himself. Yeah, well, he, how he was doing it, and I'll get into that, um, but he was obviously unsuccessful. Right, was it with his own fist and through his neck? <laughs> he's just he's like, like oh, shoot, this does hurt. <laughs> no it. for me. Also pass out, or for paid, so yeah. damn it, like, didn't Still die. alive, right? shoot. Um, so on March 24th, Keith, Keith decided to turn himself in for the murder of Julie Winningham. A one person. Just yeah. One. Just cool. because he knew he would be tied to her. Because he's like, yeah, I liked her. Yeah. I was with her. He's like, yeah. well, fuck. Okay. You guys got me. It was only her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Promise. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, we'll just go. Um, so after he decided he was going to turn himself in, he, before he did so, he wrote a letter to his children and to his brother. So I do, I don't have any clips from the children's, but I do have a clip from the letter he wrote his brother that he ultimately turned into police because um, his dad encouraged him to do so. Oh, cool. So he... So dad did another good thing. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Shock therapy. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I made him this Remember all that brain damage I gave you and this is why you're messed up? Yep. Well, I need you to write a letter. Yeah, so he so he had told, um, so he wrote this letter to his brother. Um, one of the clips says, seems like my luck has run out. I will never be able to enjoy life on the outside again. I got into a bad situation and got caught up with emotion. I killed a woman in my truck during an argument. With all the evidence against me, it looks like I truly am the black sheep. <laughs> Going back to his roots. The, the, the last time that I got caught up in emotion, no one died. <laughs> it was earlier today. The I'm person just... that words it, I got caught up in emotion <laughs> and killed. Anyway, and I murdered. <laughs> yes. um, so the court will appoint me a lawyer and there will be a trial. I am sure they will kill me for this. Uh, wow, wow. Quote one. Okay. And quote two. Yes. I am sorry that I turned out this way. I have been a killer for five years and have killed eight people, assaulted more. I guess I haven't learned anything. So that's where him okay. saying that okay. he killed 185 people is kind of like, did you? Did yeah. you not? 
I mean, he said eight. Like you, he yeah, did, like he yeah. like specified did on he eight. Agree? Yeah, mm, yeah. And he said he assaulted more, so maybe some of them accidentally ended in murder, and he didn't know. Yeah, he's or, like, I'm gonna rape you and throw you off an embankment. But just like, I mean, even with my killer, the guys like, oh, oh, so there was three. It's like yeah. this boastful that just um, super ex- exacerbated. Just this whole ego about I gotta write it on a wall. No one's paying attention to this. <laughs> Excuse you. Yes. This was me. Yeah. And now there's that. So, third quote. Dad always is worried about me because of what I have gone through in the divorce, finances, etc. I've been taking it out on different people. As I saw it, I was hoping they would catch me. I took 48 sleeping pills last night. And I woke up well rested. I was fine. They it's okay. I job. was really well rested. Sleeping pills did their job. Yep. yep. All 48 of them. Um, well, when you're six, whatever. I mean, Jesus, that's like a freaking tranquilizer, though. Like, I'd be that's true. That's true. I would be passed out for the next year. Three of them. Where you at, I'm Destiny? out forever. <laughs> Where you at? Well, I took 48 sleep pills, 48 days, right? <laughs> You're right. 48 is rough. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. So the night before, I took two bottles of pills. Oh. And it still didn't work. Um, oh, that's not part of the quote, but I'm just saying it still didn't work. Okay. Um, but then the end quote was, they will arrest me today. I mean... We can only assume that what he's saying is real. Yeah, he's a little he melodramatic, probably. He's probably like, I took a couple, like two. Yeah. And then the, night, the night before, I took good. four. And <laughs> I took alive. the proper dosage of sleeping pills. I was like, I slept great. <laughs> Wake up the next morning. I tried to kill myself. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Who knows? Um, I can't ever believe anything. Right? He's a serial killer. I'm not going to believe him. Yeah. Um, so, Keith called Detective Buckner from Arizona and confessed for the murder of Julie Winningham. Just Julie. Just Julie. Um, after receiving this phone call, Buckner flew down to Arizona to take him into custody, telling him as he arrested him that Wesley Al- Allen Dodd once wore these same handcuffs. Yeah. Which may or may not be a spoiler to one of uh, the episodes I will be doing, or one of the episodes we'll be doing next. Okay. Um, and I put a smiley face at the end of that, and then I felt uncomfortable. <laughs> But it's a happy face. I'm like, uh, oh, <laughs> I give up. Um, but also, I'm never gonna look at happy faces. You just did way. it to yourself, and we're like, "Ee!" I was like, "Whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. calm down, Disney. No, no face for me. <laughs> well, sideways face. Okay. Right. Anyways, um, so the authorities notified Keith's ex-wife Rose about the arrest. Um, that is when more information came out from his eldest daughter, Melissa. Right. Um, the one that we talked about, she has appeared on a lot of different shows. She has her own podcast. I have a couple different crime shows as well. Right. Um, so she informed authorities of a couple memories she had with her father, such as taking a ride in her father's long haul truck and duct tape rolling out from under his pillow. Oh, She's I like, mean... this is weird. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But, okay. Right. All I mean, right, Dad. Whatever. Um, and the time she found stray kittens, and Keith hung them all up on a clothesline from their back. She went like to grab... Like, they were alive? Yeah, alive. So, she went and grabbed her mom, because she was, like, hysterical. She's like, what's Dad doing? And they came back, and all of the kittens had been killed. Ugh. I... Um, okay, I know you told a lot of gruesome things <laughs> up until this point, but that one... <laughs> Gave me goosebumps. Yeah, it yeah, just no. Freaks, it just, ugh. It's yeah. just, well, I think it's the minor details in little murders with the ear that get me good. Well, and think about, like, doing that to, like, your kid was around. Ugh. 
Like, you sick son of a bitch. Yeah. So and she, how old was she when that happened? I think she was 11. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Um, maybe 10, but right around that age. Um, I put a lot of stickers on my face when I was 10. There's a lot of pictures of it, so I would have just felt thinking that of really, <laughs> yeah, that, like at your just mental state. Just telling you where I was at. Right. I <laughs> um, so there was also a time where she couldn't sleep in her room in his new house, and she was laying on the couch, and she turned up, and she looked at the ceiling, and there was just brown, it looked like splatter marks on oh, his ceiling, no. and she never thought about it, like she didn't think twice, like nobody's gonna, I think like... She's there like, might be ketchup from up in my ceiling somewhere from, like, the I people mean, that used house to live here. I mean, looks a little dated, and it still looks nice. Yeah, I mean, I don't think a murder happened here. No. Especially because I know the people that lived here before. Yeah, so. it's really Awkward. small. And, I mean, not it's not that small. <laughs> so but it's rare. also really close <laughs> to other places, so I'm pretty sure no one Yeah, I live in a here. duplex, so, like, neighbors would hopefully know. But also, who knows? Hopefully. We've, we've been pretty loud here before, and they're like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, so, yeah, he just definitely had those um, red flags even when he was younger and the kids were young. But to top it off, he – the craziest thing that Melissa told the cops was that her dad took her on a drive to the Columbia fucking Gorge. No. And told her that he knows exactly how to kill someone. <laughs> How old was she then? Uh, I don't remember. Ugh, Sorry. Oh no. But um, older than 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is later. Um, said that he knew how to kill somebody without getting caught. All he would need to do is cut off the button in the zipper part of her pants. Oh, like he that did with detail. Tanya. Um, Wait, s- what exactly does that have to what? Why? Yeah. Yeah. So that his fingerprints wouldn't be on the buttons from him taking off because her he pants because he's a fucking rapist. Took her pants off for her because he was trying to be sexy. Yeah, and he's Ugh. a piece of shit. Oy. Um Oy. So that yikes, yeah. yikes, and that he would then follow that by throwing her off an embankment. Oh, is what he told his daughter. His daughter. He told his daughter this. And she's like, so anyways, the prom is next week. <laughs> so the Columbia Gorge is really pretty out here, Dad. Thanks I, for ringing me. I, yeah. um, so in October of uh, 1995, not 2015, <laughs> right. um, in 1995, Keith pled guilty to the murder of Julie Winningham and was sentenced to life in prison. This guy went to court for each mor- murder, <laughs> murder individually mm-hmm. because of how many jurisdictions were involved. Well, yeah. So he was just, like, murder after murder after murder, which honestly probably helped him out in the long run because he literally just has consecutive life sentences. Yeah. So one after another, after another, after another. And he... There, and you're there, and you're there, and you're there forever. Yeah, yeah. And so he ultimately pled guilty to a few of them just so they would take off the death penalty. Oh. So it ended up being good for him because if he was charged for, like, eight murders, they'd be like, bam. Crazy. Like, we're killing <laughs> you. Um, so, that's so, basically it. At what point, and who does he claim to have 185? Yeah. Well, so, and I that's have just this. a lot. That's steep. Yeah, so there's a few unresolved cases that are believed to be tied to Jesperson, um, such as a woman who was found in Medford. Uh-huh. Um, which is in Oregon. I've been, um, I lived there. <laughs> yeah, I was born there. It's brief. Oh, what? Yeah. Didn't know that. Learned that right now. <laughs> so there we go. Okay. Um, Utah and Nevada. Um, but the authorities did not have enough evidence to link him to any of these cases. So unfortunately, they're all still open. <sighs> That's rough. Yeah. It just sucks. Um, so just kind of an update of where he, this 
Oh, garbage. good, good. I was just this garbage dumpster is. Yes, <laughs> he is currently sixty-four years old, and he's serving a life sentence about five miles from here at what? the Oregon State Penitentiary. The hell? Yeah. Oh so, shit! I didn't know that. He's real close to us, guys. Um, yeah, and so that's it. Oh, gross, gross, gross! I don't yeah. like it. I don't like yeah. it. No, I mean, <laughs> knowing gross. that somebody's—it's the one over on State Street. Yes. So knowing that somebody, <gasps> yeah, I'm, like okay. not even the one in the country. Don't quote me on this. But I'm going to ask him after this. I'm pretty sure my stepdad worked there for a little oh, while. really? Like, Twins' dad, yeah. they were. I mean, he works in bed now, but I'm pretty sure the one on State Street. I definitely... You should ask him if my, he... Uh, my grandma's husband, who's my grandpa, but he's, I should say, my grandma's husband, um, worked there for tons and tons of years and retired from there, so... Ooh, you should my. ask the Twins' dad if... Oh, uh, yeah, yo, Dad, I got I, some questions. <laughs> do you know this guy? Get ready. Um, and then you can update us next time. Oh, that's crazy. But yeah, so All that right, is guys. the happy, <laughs> the happy face. You call him smiley face. You call happy him smiley. Face. They all look the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that. Guys, thanks so much for listening, whoever you are that might be listening, because this is our first episode. We did our best. We can't promise that's gonna be the best you ever received but we're we're trying and we'll promise to get better (laughs) yeah and um if you could do us a favor as far as our podcast goes if you could just go over to our right now it's just instagram and twitter and as i'm if i'm correct it's crime wives podcast on both yes because of some malfunctions that took place yes no crime wives pod please Crime Wives Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were trying to be cool and just be Crime Wives Pod, but turns out, not a thing. So, please follow us, Instagram, Crime Wives Podcast. Please follow us, Twitter, Crime Wives Podcast. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep busting them out. I think we're going to do every other week right now. Yeah, just starting Definitely out. Definitely every other week. If you guys actually listen, if you, I don't know, if you give us some love, if you like this, I promise they will get better. Right? Or if you have cases that you want to recommend to us. Um, please go ahead and just on either one of those social media platforms, contact us and let us know. And we would love to give you all the details. Yeah. You tell us what you want to hear. We'll look it up. We'll figure it out. We'll talk about it. And you can listen to us. And I think that's it for us this week. That is. Thanks for listening. It's been good. Bye, guys.